Grace and peace be with you. So good to be with you this Lord's Day. I want to remind you of what date it is. Today is January 31st. What that means is that 2020 was not as far ago as you might imagine or feel that it was. It was only a month ago. And that leads me to say this. This has been the longest month of the year so far. (laughs) 2021 has gotten off to a very shaky start, to say the least. I know that many of us were hoping that maybe this year would be better than the last But already this year is marked by loss and sorrow and grief. A pall has been cast over the new year. And it's into that darkness that we have gathered in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it's into that darkness that we are worshiping and praying and that we have gathered to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts but receive the grace and truth that he offers to you. And I do hope and pray that you will hear the good news today because Jesus comes to meet you exactly where you are, right where you are. And he says to you, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And I hope and pray that you receive this abundant life through Christ today. Today, I want us to tackle a question that troubles every thinking and feeling Christian, no matter the denomination, the movement, or tradition. Every thinking and feeling Christian has grappled with this question at one time or another. It's a question that probably has kept you up at night, whether you're worried about it for yourself, worried about it for your children, your spouse, or your friend. It's a question that haunts many of us regardless of our theology, regardless of what we believe on paper, in our heart of hearts and in the real world, we feel the weight of this question bearing down on us. The question is, can I lose my salvation? Is my salvation secure? Can something happen to it that it might be ruined? In this series, we're taking a closer look at some things Jesus says to us. He tells us about things that we can do and things that we cannot do. He's not talking about permission. He's not talking about whether you may do something. He's talking about can you do something. He's talking about ability. And as we've seen so far, there are many things that we need to do, many things that we, in fact, must do, but we are not able to do them unless God helps us and makes us willing and able by the power of his word and spirit. The story that we're in, we enter into today is no different. I want to draw your attention down to three verses. Verses 27, 28, 29. Look at those three verses. If you want to look it up in your pew Bible or in the Bible you brought with you, feel free to do so. Twice in this passage we hear Jesus say, No one is able to snatch my sheep. No one is able to snatch my sheep. Over the course of my ministry, some questions have come up again and again. Some questions you just expect to hear uh, at least once or twice a year from someone. One question would be, what does it take to get saved? You always love to hear that question because it means that someone is coming from outside of Christ into Christ, and it's a delight to answer that question. 
But the question I've probably heard more than any other question in my ministry is this. What does it take to stay saved? Now, it's asked in a variety of ways, but that's the essence of it. What does it take to stay saved? Both of those questions are driven by a certain measure of doubt, fear, and worry. And that's not a criticism. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing in and of itself to be motivated by those things to ask a question like that. Where it becomes a problem is when doubt, fear, and worry hold the center of your heart and marginalize faith and keep it on the edges. When someone asks what it takes to, to stay saved or to keep their salvation and not lose it, usually what they are presupposing is that salvation is a thing that can be lost. It is a thing that can be forfeited by something they do or something they fail to do. They also believe it's something that can be revoked or taken away by the Lord or perhaps by someone else. And also in the midst of this questioning, they are presuming that there is something that they can do to keep it safe and secure and to make sure that they never lose it. And so what you see with this line of questionings is that this line of questionings tends to be awfully self-oriented, self-oriented rather than God-oriented. In both my personal experience and in my pastoral experience, I can tell you that the strain of this spiritual burden is more than anyone can bear. But that has not stopped countless hireling pastors from guilt-tripping and fear-mongering God's people into believing that they can, in fact, lose their salvation unless they do something to stop it. And what can they do to stop it? Well, you know the answer. Go to church more. Be sure to tithe frequently. Get involved in some project. Fill your calendar with spiritual activity. Try harder. Do better. And that's how you can avoid the inevitable. It's not stop pastoral strangers from robbing others of their assurance of salvation or of ravaging their confidence in Jesus. This is the spirit of antichrists. These pastors, priests, and prophets do violence to the gospel of grace and contradict Jesus, the good shepherd. So like me, you've probably heard the question. You might have even asked the question, wrestled with the question in the darkness of the night. Can a Christian lose their salvation? Meaning, can I lose my salvation? Is it precarious? Am I in a dangerous place? Whatever you think the answer is, I want you to hear what Jesus has to say about it again for the first time. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. There's so many voices in the world and in the church. We talk about this around the office all the time about how the pastors of any local congregation are probably the 15th, maybe the 30th voice that anyone hears or listens to. We're fighting a battle that cannot be won, it seems. Your heads even now are crowded with countless voices arguing with me, arguing with your own heart, arguing with your own tradition, voices everywhere. 
contradictory voices, differing voices. Some voices are louder than others. Some voices have more influence in your life than they should. Others don't have enough influence. Many of them are simply the voices of strangers that try to confuse you with half-truths and conspiracy theories. They distract you with trivial matters like politics and sports or the weather or religion. The end goal of all of that is to drown out the voice of Jesus, to deafen your ears to the voice of Jesus, and to draw you far away from Jesus that you can't hear his voice anymore. Well, those who are doing these kinds of things are actually doing the devil's work for him, lying and deceiving, stealing and killing. And it's in sharp contrast to all of that that the shepherd who knows his sheep by name, calls them to follow him. And he says, they hear me and they obey my voice. Why? Because they turn away from strangers and they follow the shepherd. They tune their ears to the voice of Christ alone above all others. So I want to say to you, before you really start wrestling with the question about how to stay saved or whether you can lose your salvation... You need to dig a little deeper and ask, what voice are you listening to? Whose voice do you hear? Whose voice do you follow? Who is the shepherd of your heart? Who is the savior of your soul? Will you listen to him? Do you follow him? And will you run away from others? Now, this is crucial, especially as we consider these matters of life and death, these heaven and hell issues, these matters of salvation and destruction. Stranger danger is a totally real thing, according to Jesus. The world is full of trouble and the devil is out to get everyone he can sink his teeth and his claws into. Like Lord Voldemort, the devil sends out snatchers to snatch his enemies to snatch away friends from the chosen one. This is one of the reasons we feel a lack of assurance and a lack of confidence about salvation. We know enemies are out there. We know enemies are seeking to destroy us. We know enemies are seeking to devour us. Another reason we feel this lack of assurance or lack of confidence is because of the enemies within us. Our own hearts and our own conscience constantly condemn us and remind us of how unworthy and unruly we really are. This is precisely why Jesus said, no one will snatch his sheep from his hand and no one is able to snatch his sheep from his father's hand. This fact is established by these two witnesses. It is an unbreakable and an inviolable promise. So just as there are things that man is not able to do, so there are things that God is not able to do. And here is something that God is not able to do. God cannot lie. God cannot break his promise. No one is able to snatch you today. No one will be able to snatch you tomorrow. The present and the future of your salvation are totally secure in the hands of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the Precious Moments version of this is soft and dainty. It plays out like a Hallmark movie. Oh, Jesus is holding us in his hands and there's this sweet picture that 
Everything is so placid and serene, no dangers, no threats in the world. Just soft clouds and blue skies and a hint of a rainbow in the background. No. Jesus warns us that snatchers will try to snatch us. And they will do so aggressively and violently. No one can snatch. The word for snatch is a violent term. It means to pluck or tear away by force. It is used throughout the Old Testament in the Greek version of the Old Testament to describe the violent action of thieves and the violent actions of wild animals as they rip apart and tear apart and tear to shreds and pluck away people and things. In the story of John 10, if you go back to verse 8, Jesus describes pastors, prophets, and priests who came before him as thieves and wolves. Why? Because so many of them neglected, abused, mistreated, abandoned, sacrificed, and even scattered the people of God for their own selfish interests. Now, you're a thinking and feeling Christian, so you say, wait just a minute. He just said no one can snatch, and now those dudes were snatching. I see a contradiction. Something doesn't smell right. Yes, Jesus said that. But that does not mean that strangers, robbers, and thieves play by the rules or that they... Say, oh, since we can't snatch those sheep from your hands, we're just going to stop trying. No. They're lurking around, looking for ways to snatch the sheep for whom Jesus laid down his life. And they want to snatch them from his hand. The assault on the sheep is an assault on the shepherd. And so when they come for you, they come with violent force because they can't get to you without getting to him first. Jesus says thieves only come to steal and kill and destroy, and wolves come to snatch and scatter. In order to help you feel the gravity of this situation, to feel the gravity of this stranger danger, I want to share with you two true stories from real life. The first one is about thieves, and the second one is about wolves. Last year, 2020, in suburban Atlanta, a woman was walking home with her one-year-old baby in a stroller at midday. An SUV pulled up. The driver of the SUV jumped out, approached the woman, pointed a gun to her hip, looked in the stroller, and tried to grab her baby. He was going to kidnap her baby boy. The mother responded by grabbing hold of the gun, wrested the gun from his hand, tried to use the weapon against him, but it didn't fire. A fight broke out. She's fighting the man tooth and nail for the life of her baby. And while she was fighting this man, someone else jumped out of an SUV, the same SUV, and grabbed her baby, loaded it in the SUV. The fight ended as the first perpetrator jumped back in the vehicle. Despite the mother's valiant efforts, the suspects escaped with her baby. She was not able to stop them. The baby was not able to hold on to his mother. Fortunately, that story has a happier ending 
Within just a few short hours, the kidnappers were spotted and arrested, and the baby boy was rescued and returned to his mother unharmed. But those stories don't always end that way. The point that I'm trying to get you to see is that thieves come to steal and kill and to destroy. And when it comes to saving our souls from violent thieves, we need to know that we are as vulnerable as that mother and as that baby in a stroller. When it comes to defending and protecting our own salvation, we don't have what it takes. We're helpless and harassed before the shepherd comes and takes us in his hands. Second story. A couple of years ago, at a national park in Canada, a man woke up at midnight to the sounds of screaming at a nearby campsite. He grabbed his lantern and ran towards the other tent, yelling, I'm here! I'm here! What's wrong? As he approached the campsite, he was greeted by a gruesome image. The family's tent was being shredded, and it was lying in shambles. The backside of a massive wolf was sticking out of the tent, and inside the tent, its teeth and claws were ravishing and attacking a young family. The mother was sprawled on top of her children to shield them. The father had positioned himself between his wife and children and this wolf. And he fought off the wolf as much as he could as the wolf ravaged the tent. Everyone screamed for help. When the camper who responded to the screams came up on the scene, he saw this massive wolf dragging what he thought was just a toy from the tent. And he realized the wolf had the man by the arms and was dragging him out. What he didn't see was that inside the tent, the wife had hold of her husband's legs, and so they're involved in a tug of war. The camper rushed up into the fray without thinking too deeply about it. He kicked the wolf as hard as he could. The wolf released the man in the tent and turned on him. About that time, the man in the tent came out covered in his own blood, injured, and the two of those men began screaming and yelling. The startled wolf began to back off. They took up large stones and hurled them at the wolf until they drove him away. And when the wolf was far enough away, everyone in the tent escaped and they took shelter inside a minivan. Wolves come to snatch and to shred and to scatter. And when it comes to saving our own souls from wolves and from the dangers they bring, we need to know that we are as vulnerable as a family in a tent. We don't have what it takes to defend and protect ourselves. We've all sustained injuries and experienced fears before the shepherd comes and says to us, I'm here, I'm here. What's wrong? These stories are graphic reminders that we live in a dangerous and precarious world. And it's dangerous and precarious for us, not only in terms of our physical life, but also in terms of our spiritual life. Thieves come to steal and kill and destroy. Wolves come to snatch and scatter. But Jesus comes to give and restore life and to build things. Jesus came to save his followers and to keep them safe and secure 
in God's hand. And don't just take my word for it. I want you to know that this is not a Presbyterian message. This is not Reformed theology. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus speaks to us, and if you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. Hear his promises from Ezekiel 34. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek them out. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will make a covenant of peace with them and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and no one shall make them afraid. Strangers, thieves, and wolves threaten us. Attack us, terrorize us. They tempt us to doubt and fear and worry about all sorts of things. But the Good Shepherd comes near to us. And the promise of the gospel is held out to us. And Jesus promises that under the power of his rod and staff, his sheep will be protected today and tomorrow. And the day after that and the one after that. Are you his lamb? Are you a sheep of his flock? Know that you will never, ever be violently snatched away, torn away, caught up, or plucked out from his hand. Jesus promises to fight for you. He promises to fight for your soul like a mother fighting thieves for her baby. He promises to fight for your soul like a man fighting for his life and for his family. Jesus promises to fight like heaven against hell and high water to defend and protect you from anyone and anything that threatens your security, tempts you to stray, tries you, tries to take you away from him. Jesus laid down his life for you at the cross to destroy the devil. How much more will he lay down his life for you to silence the stranger, to take out the thief or waylay the wolf? How much more will he lay down his life for you in love to quiet your own conscience and to bring peace to your unruly heart? I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. On the one hand, Jesus is taunting his enemies with these words. You can have all my sheep. Every last one of them. If you can ever pry them out of my hand and out of my father's hand. On the other hand, Jesus is assuring his friends. Your salvation is doubly safe and secure. Yes, thieves and wolves are trying to get at you. Yes, the world is full of danger. Yes, there are many risks to take in life. But the father loves you and gave you to Jesus. And Jesus loves you and gave you eternal life. 
And when you take it all together and do the math, it says this, you are God's gift to Jesus, and Jesus is God's gift to you. How do we know that Jesus has what it takes to make good on all these promises, to hold you in his hands, to do for you what you cannot do for yourself? At the end of the story in verse 39, some hyper-religious folks come to Jesus. They are the strangers, the thieves, the wolves, the hirelings. They encircle Jesus because they want to arrest Jesus. They want to rid the earth of him, stone him, do something to wipe him out. And what does the Holy Spirit tell us? They tried to arrest him, but what did he do? He escaped from their hands. Jesus escaped from their hands. If nothing else, this shows that the hands of men are too weak and too small to hold on to Jesus. That holds true whether you're a stranger, a wolf, or a thief. It also holds true if you're a sheep and think, all I need to do is hold on to Jesus. None of us have what it takes, but Jesus has everything it takes. The gospel is not about you holding his hand. It's about him holding yours. And better than that, the gospel is not even about him just holding your hand. It's about him holding you in his hand and the Father holding you in his hand as well. If strangers, thieves, and wolves cannot overpower God in the flesh, how much less the hands of God in the Spirit? So we come full circle back to the question that haunts everyone. How do I keep my salvation? Can I lose it? Can a sheep, once saved, end up perishing? I think the answer should be pretty clear to you by now, but just in case, I want to flip the script and I want to ask that question in a different way. And perhaps asking it this way will be a way for you to ask it going forward. Not, can a Christian lose their salvation? But rather ask, can Christ lose any Christian? Can the Savior lose you or me? Can the shepherd lose any of his sheep? Now, I know that your experience tells you one thing. I know that your heart tells you another. I know that your wayward child, your drifting spouse, your checked out friends, your missing in action members of the church, they all tell you one story. But what does the voice of Jesus tell you? What does the voice of Jesus tell you? I give my people eternal life and they will never perish. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not lean on your own understanding or your own experience. Listen to your Savior. He holds you by your right hand. He holds you in his hand. He holds you in his Father's hand. And as the psalmist would say, Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait on the Lord. May the Lord give us eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to know and hearts to believe 
all that the shepherd has done for us and all that he has said to us today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray.